0: LADY GERALDINE'S SPEECH by Beatrix Harridan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. CHARACTERS
1: Dr. Alice Romney, A Medical Woman. Read by Devorah Allen. LADY GERALDINE Boleyn,
2: Dr. Alice Romney's School Friend. Read
3: by kelly taylor miss gertrude silberthwaite an eminent artist read by the story girl miss nora
4: bailey a professor of literature read by t j burns
5: miss hilda Crowninshield,
4: a famous pianist read
5: by jen broda
6: miss nelly grant a typist and shorthand writer read by avaii jane a maid
0: READ BY SCIRBO STAGE DIRECTIONS READ BY TODD SCENE Dr. Alice Romney's drawing-room in Nottingham Place. It is her fortnightly suffrage-at-home day. She is seated at her writing-desk near the window. She is of middle stature and has a strong, capable face. Enter maid with card. A lady asks specially to see you. I said you were engaged until three o'clock but she insisted dr alice looking at card and smiling show
1: her in jane
0: enter hurriedly shown in by maid the lady geraldine boleyn
2: oh my dear how good of you to see me i hope i am not interrupting any operation not that i suppose you perform operations in drawing-rooms but i had to see you instantly whatever you were doing i've dashed up purposely from eastbourne the fact is alice i've got myself into a most awful hole you will help me out won't you you always have helped me out of my difficulties nothing more than you ought to have done considering how i used to come to your rescue over your french compositions in the dear old Cheltenham college days my word you were
1: bad at french weren't you
0: dr alice nodding
1: yes and i'm not much better now languages were always a trial to me i used to think you were a perfect wonder over them
2: so i was so i am um, still don't let there be any mistake about that well now to business as i told you i've got myself into a most fearful scrape the worst in my life absolutely the
1: worst geraldine geraldine what on earth have you been up to are you never going to learn discretion apparently never
2: there's no doubt that i have committed a terrible indiscretion i have compromised myself with-well i hardly like to tell you-with the woman's national anti-suffrage league
0: dr alice brightening up
2: is that all isn't it enough in all conscience i'm at my wit's end i haven't slept for nights for years look at how drawn my face is and if i'm not careful i shall begin to look clever yes i've gotten into the toils of the national anti-suffrage league i've been made into a president or vice-president or honorary secretary or supporter of something of the sort and i have to take the chair at a large meeting at the imperial hall next week and make a speech and use all the anti-suffrage arguments on this wretched sheet of paper where is it
0: looking for it in her muff and satchel
2: "'Here it is. It's like a nightmare to me. Every time I try to look at it, all the letters seem to chase each other off the paper, and there's only a blank left, like my
1: brain. If you won't help me, I shall perish. I know I shall.' "'But, my dear Geraldine, I'm a suffragist, a suffragette, a militant. You've come to the wrong person.'
0: lady geraldine coaxingly
1: i've come to my old school chum
2: as if being a suffragist or an anti-suffragist could make any difference to that eternal fact no you're right well what do you want me to do i want you to write my speech for me and coach me up in it there don't look so disagreeable you're so handsome when you're pleasant And so hideous when you're cross. Ah, that's better. Now, here are some of the arguments. As I told you, I tried to glance at them, but failed. So I haven't really gone into the details. I haven't really gone into the matter at all between you and me. But...
0: Suddenly recollecting herself,
2: i felt strongly on general lines that it was impossible for me to take the responsibility of being in favour
1: of woman's suffrage how well you roll those words out someone has made you learn that sentence by heart but i felt strongly on general lines that it was impossible for me to take the responsibility of being in favour of women's suffrage i must say i wonder you dare take the still greater responsibility of being against it
0: lady geraldine waving her hand in dismissal of dr alice's remark
2: come now alice do begin we're wasting time allow me to conduct you to your desk here's paper and here's your stylo and here am i waiting on you as usual oh you can make as much fun of me as you like and lecture me as much as you like i was always good-tempered wasn't i i don't mind what you say to me as
1: long as you help me with my speech why don't you go and get an anti-suffragist friend to do this for you
2: my dear girl don't be ridiculous with a few notable and unreachable exceptions all the anti-suffragists have my sort of brains how can we possibly help each other do begin i'm losing my patience with you but you have heaps of splendid men amongst you go to them certainly not it's one thing to sing small about your sex but quite another thing to sing small about yourself except to a dear old school chum who used to be a regular old brick but evidently isn't one any longer i never dreamed that you would fail me what on earth shall i do i shall make an awful fiasco and disgrace myself and my cause and it will be your fault you wouldn't wish to see me humiliated would you and surely you wouldn't wish my cause to be disgraced you've always said causes saved one those have been your very words alice causes saved one it
1: did not matter what they were <laughs> nothing could ever save you you're spoiled through and through here give me the precious arguments sit down by the fire and don't chatter for a minute or two and i'll see what i can do for you
0: lady geraldine taking up her skirt and dancing round a little
1: aha
2: i knew she would come round these grim people are always the easiest to deal with be sure and write clearly dear I never could read your
1: handwriting.
0: She dances into a chair and sits primly up, twiddling her fingers. A pause.
1: I think you might begin in this way. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here tonight to explain to you some of the weighty reasons which have decided me, after much anxious thought and study, to become a determined opponent of woman's suffrage excellent sounds as if i'd studied the question for untold centuries doesn't it then i think you'd better touch at once on the unwomanliness of the whole movement and the danger to the home and you might enlarge on the harem theme
2: the harem theme what's that i don't remember that on the list not that i remember
1: anything it is not called that It's called the immense indirect influence now possessed by women. To me, personally, a most degrading influence. After that, you might beat the imperial drum. The imperial?
0: The door opens. Enter, unannounced, Miss Gertrude Silverthwaite, an eminent artist. She is charmingly dressed and has an engaging personality.
3: Ah, busy, I see, Dr. Alice.
1: I'm rather early shall i go away and come back in half an hour or so no no sit down by the fire with my friend an old school friend i'm throwing together a speech for her she's a new hand i don't mind you talking as long as you don't talk to me
0: lady geraldine and gertrude superthwaite who have already greeted settle down together
3: dr alice has a most enviable gift of concentration she can study the most abstruse subject under any conditions whatsoever So she is helping you with your first speech. Well, you couldn't have anyone better to help you. She's so splendid at arranging the arguments in their most forceful fashion. Shall you be nervous?
0: Lady Geraldine, uneasily.
3: Yes? Ah, well, we all have to go through that. But it's worthwhile for the sake of the cause, isn't it? Lady Geraldine, doubtfully. Yes? I'm just painting Dr. Alice's portrait, a difficult face, so handsome when she's pleasant, and so ugly when she's disagreeable.
2: That's exactly what I say, my very words a few minutes ago. Then you are an artist, a portrait painter. May I ask your name? I am so interested in pictures. Silberthwaite.
0: Lady Geraldine, enraptured.
2: Gertrude Silberthwaite You don't mean it I am proud and delighted to see you. I have always wanted to meet you, but one never comes across to you anywhere. I always heard you were
3: a recluse.
0: Gertrude Silberthwaite, smiling.
3: I'm not by nature a society bird. And moreover, I haven't much spare time. None, in fact but the suffrage movement has brought us all professional women out of our libraries and studios and all our other hiding-places we had to take our share in it or else be ashamed of ourselves i really do think it is a wonderful movement don't you and quite apart from anything to do with the vote itself it is so splendid coming in intimate contact with a lot of fine women all following different professions or businesses that's one of our advantages over the anti-suffragists isn't it they have no means of understanding personally the inner meaning of the whole movement i'm sorry for them aren't you
0: lady geraldine fervently
3: yes for some of them do you know i'm planning to paint a suffrage picture for next year's academy a group of representative suffragist women ellen terry for the drama mrs garrett anderson for medicine Mrs. Ayrton, for science, Miss Elizabeth Robbins, for literature, Christabel Pankhurst, for politics, and...
0: Enter Miss Nora Bailey, a professor of literature and a brilliant lecturer. She is particularly fresh-looking and has a fine, enthusiastic face with eyes far apart.
4: What, Dr. Ellis, busy? Making out prescriptions? Ah, no, I see you haven't got the prescription look on your face. A letter to the Prime Minister, perhaps? a love-letter to the home secretary a valentine to the governor of holloway who can tell anything may happen in these days
0: gertrude silverthwaite laughing and beckoning to bailey
3: (laughs) don't talk to her miss bailey she's concocting a speech come and talk to us instead you do look in splendid form this afternoon what have you been doing I've just given the best Chaucer lecture I've ever
4: given in my life. And the class was magnificent. Heavens, what a difference it makes when you know you have your class with you.
2: Chaucer, how interesting. I haven't heard his name mentioned since I was at school. Do tell me something about him.
0: Nora Bailey, quoting with animation.
2: His stature was not very tall
4: lean he was his legs were small hosed within a stock of red a buttoned bonnet on his head his beard was white trimmed round his countenance blithe and merry found i wonder whether chaucer would have conceded us the vote i have my doubts but i have no doubt about shakespeare none i can't conceive it possible that he who gave us portia hermione cordelia rosalind beatrice imogene and all his other splendid women of brain education and initiative would have withheld us grudgingly the rights of full citizenship i intend to die in the belief that he would have been on our side i'm sure he's on the platform at all suffrage meetings calling out inaudibly votes for women
0: turning to lady geraldine
2: don't you agree with me i've never thought of it
3: nor have i but i dare say she's right of course i'm
4: right what a pity the prime minister hasn't got shakespeare's mind there's no
3: denying he hasn't is there
0: lady geraldine pensively
3: i suppose there isn't you appear to be in some doubt <laughs> Oh no,
2: not about that. But I was just
3: wondering.
0: Enter Miss Hilda Cronenshield, a famous pianist.
3: Ah, oh, here's Hilda Cronenshield. Hurrah
0: Hilda Cronenshield, greeting them all.
5: Here I am, just back from a concert at Manchester. Good afternoon, Doctor Alice. Busy I see.
0: Turning to Gertrude Silverthwaite.
4: What is she doing? Shall I disturb her if I try the piano? oh dear no she's only writing a speech as long as you don't talk to her you may introduce the whole of the queen's hall orchestra into this room and she won't turn a hair good i want to run through the two little brahms
5: pieces i promised to play this afternoon if the piano is very much out of tune and there are more than five or six notes broken i shall have to choose some other things that's
0: all she sits down at the piano lady geraldine who has been exceedingly stirred by her arrival, goes up to her. Lady Geraldine, excitedly,
2: Miss Crowninshield, I must speak to you. I cannot tell you what your playing means to me. I'd rather hear you than anyone in the world. I don't know what you do to me. When I hear you play, I feel myself capable of everything great and good.
0: Hilda Crowninshield, greatly pleased, and touching her gently on the hand,
2: Thank you. Then you must be passionately fond of music. Passionately. It is the language I understand.
0: Hilda Croninshield, beginning to touch the notes.
2: Ah, not so bad. And I declare
5: Dr. Alice has had it tuned. I never expected such luck. Yes, I can play one or two of Brahms in and perhaps a Chopin waltz, perhaps even a bit of Grieg.
0: She addresses herself to Lady Geraldine. Yes?
2: Yes, yes. How good of you to come and play at Dr. Alice's. Good? Why,
5: I love playing to my suffrage comrades. I'd do anything for them. Play the trombone if they wanted it fearfully.
0: She begins Brahm's first intermezzo. After she has been playing for a little while, enter Nellie Grant, a typist and shorthand writer she carries slung over her shoulder a bag with one remaining copy of votes for woman she looks extremely fatigued hilda crownenshield glances up and leaves off playing and joins the others
5: why my dear child you look worn out thoroughly at the end of yourself let's ring for tea for her immediately
0: they ring for tea
6: tired but very proud miss crownenshield i've had a most successful day sold all my votes for women except one solitary copy and had some useful little talks with lots of people one man bought six copies he said he had been an anti until yesterday when he went to an anti meeting and that converted him
5: (laughs) bravo
0: runs to the piano and plays a few bars of the waltz from the merry widow they laugh clap and dance a little
4: I
2: really do think the aunties are our best friends. Why, I don't quite understand. I should have thought they were very formidable foes.
3: Oh, dear, no. You needn't have any fears about that. You see, with a few exceptions, they can't speak. They haven't had the practice. They haven't learned how to hold an audience. But when they have learned, what then? Even then, they can't be formidable.
4: Remember for your comfort that they haven't got an irresistible champion as we have.
0: Lady Geraldine, entirely mystified.
4: An irresistible
5: champion? She means the spirit of the age.
0: Lady Geraldine, smiling blankly.
4: The spirit of the age? And lots of them haven't gone into it. I know they haven't. One of them brought me the anti-suffrage petition to sign, and told me, quite frankly, when I advanced some arguments in favor of women's suffrage, that she had not gone into it, but that she wanted to get as many signatures as quickly as possible for that petition, which was sent in yesterday, you know, seven miles long or seven feet high, I forget which. They may get signatures, whole villages of signatures, but... They can't really hope to influence people if they haven't taken the trouble to influence
3: themselves, can they? No. Don't give them one anxious thought. They'll soon fold their tents like the Arabs and silently steal away.
0: Hilda Crowninshield, who is still at piano, improvises and sings softly.
3: The
5: night shall be filled with music and the cares which beset the day shall fold their tents like the arabs and as silently steal away
0: tea is brought in lady geraldine who has been slowly gathering herself together for a declaration of faith
2: i have something to tell you all you've been taking it for granted that i'm a suffragist well i'm not i'm an
3: anti-suffragist great heavens how delightful i've been longing to meet one face to face no one brought me the anti-suffrage petition do tell us your name who are you Geraldine
0: Nora Bailey, turning to the others.
4: Why, of course. Lady Geraldine Boleyn. She's going to take the chair on the 15th at the
2: Imperial Hall. Surely I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's quite right. And as I couldn't manage my speech, I came to my old school friend in my distress. I know it sounds absurd, but it's true.
0: Dr. Alice, looking up for the first time from her desk,
1: idiot why did you give yourself away i could shake you alice i simply couldn't have
2: held out a moment longer i couldn't have gone on pretending by my
1: silence that i was one of them
0: dr alice getting up from her desk and turning fiercely to her comrades
1: you mustn't betray her i wouldn't have her betrayed for worlds she's very dear to me she has always been wonderfully good to me though she has been a great nuisance at times and has given me a lot of trouble and has always made the most unreasonable demands on me, and—well, I've liked it. She's my oldest and dearest school-friend, and we plotted all sorts of mischief together in the happy old days, and if that isn't a sacred bond, then nothing is. Nearly all the pleasures I had in my holidays came through her. I should never have known all the sweet pleasures of the country but for her—joys which abide with one forever when other things have passed out of one's life. I can't and won't have her humiliated if I hadn't helped her over her speech, she would have probably made herself ridiculous. And I couldn't have stood that. I had to help her. And I shall always have to help her. If she becomes an anarchist and takes the chair at an anarchist meeting, I shall have to write her speech for that, too. I... promise me you won't give her away. Of course. Oh, what a honor.
0: They all stretch out their hands to Lady Geraldine and make a charming group round her
4: there's nothing however in our oath to prevent us from laughing a little is there (laughs) oh and to think i shan't be able to go and heckle you i can't heckle dr alice's old school friend (laughs) and i bought a ticket
3: surreptitiously (laughs) and with the utmost difficulty (laughs) as i told you i've never seen a real anti-suffragist before do let me paint your portrait side face would be best i think i'm not quite sure though no it must be fool face yes fool face
6: do tell me if it's true that there's going to be a no votes for women paper with a union jack on the cover
0: i shall be jealous hilda crownenshield taking lady geraldine's arm don't you dare tease her any more votes or no
1: votes she and i speak the same language don't we well now for the speech geraldine i've quite enjoyed this little job i'm rather pleased with it i think i've brought in all the points degradation of womanhood degradation and disintegration of entire empire dominant female vote in all matters concerning the army and navy our relations with foreign powers with our colonies and with india physical force argument "'Women have to safeguard the past and the future, "'and it is the men's work to look after the present. "'I don't myself know what that means, but it sounds well. "'Absolute denial that the vote will improve the economic position of women. "'Indirect influence of women quite sufficient. "'Emphatic, nay, passionate, insistence on your own brainlessness, "'that is very important. "'A few passing allusions to us suffragists as obscure vulgarians. "'I think you might almost call us uneducated.' Yes, uneducated and obscure vulgarians. That also sounds well. And as there's so little to say, it must sound well, my dear girl, or else the cause perishes. Ah, yes, and you mustn't forget to refer to yourselves as so-called traitresses to the sex, so-called survivals of the Dark Ages, because that will elicit respectful sympathy. And be sure and mention that you have joined the Territorial Nursing Corps. I forget its name, but that's near enough. Have you joined it, by the way?
0: Lady Geraldine, who is standing all this splendidly.
1: No. Then do so at once, because that's a piece of subtle cleverness. You disclaim physical force, and yet are preparing indirectly to defend your country. There, now, haven't I been a brick? Haven't I wiped out forever the obligation of those French compositions?
0: Lady Geraldine, with spirit but good temper,
2: no that obligation could never be wiped out and besides this service doesn't count do you know what i'm going to do with this
1: speech look
0: she throws it into the fire
1: well of all the ungrateful aristocratic little wretches
0: lady geraldine with increased spirit and charm turning to the others
1: do you know what
2: i'm going to do next i'm going home to think. Impossible. You've never done such a thing in your life. Shame, Dr. Alice.
4: It's never too late to sin. Uh, I mean, to think.
0: (laughs) Lady Geraldine, smiling at her.
2: I should love to come to one of your lectures. May I? Of course you may.
0: Lady Geraldine, to Gertrude Silverthwaite.
3: And will you really paint my portrait? Of course I will. Full face, and when you're thinking.
0: Lady Geraldine, to Hilda Crown and Shield.
3: The same language.
2: Votes or no votes? Yes, yes.
0: Lady Geraldine, to Nelly Grant.
2: Will you let me have your last remaining copy of your paper?
6: Here it is, Lady Geraldine, a present from us all.
2: Thank you. Goodbye, all of you. Goodbye.
0: She goes to the door. When she has reached it, she turns round to Dr. Alice. There is a roguish look on her face.
2: Alice, how long do mumps take? Oh, about two or three weeks. Very infectious, aren't they? Highly. I believe I've got them already. Afraid I shan't be able to take that chair. Goodbye.
0: She goes out. They look after her for a moment. Dr. Alice fiercely...
1: Mind, if you betray my school chum, I'll never speak to you again. Betray one of our own, Dr. Alice? For she's one of
6: our own already. Before many weeks are past, she'll be selling votes for women in a blinding snowstorm in the merry month of May.
0: Nora Bailey, raising her teacup. Her health! They drink her health. Curtain End of Lady Geraldine's Speech by Beatrix Harridan.